Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to La Jolla Community Church. Hope you're having a wonderful morning and a happy start to a Mother's Day. Um, we're going to get started with worship. So if you'd like to and you're able, let's stand.
Oh 
love in my heart, like, it's right here. I, I'm feeling it right now. Sometimes I love, sometimes I don't. But when I'm angry, I don't. My mom is everything to me. She just is this ray of energy and sunlight and positivity. The thing that I wish I could have done more of is thanking her. Didn't matter what shape I was in, I could always come home to mom. My mom was basically the glue that held me together. When I left the Philippines, I knew that my son will be in good hands because I know my mom will take care of him. My mom is behind the smart, not that smart. If I would say like one to ten, it would be a five. Maybe my poor dad got the raw end of the deal, but I do remember my mother saying to him when there was an argument about something I'd done, she says, you don't want to hurt her spirit. I remember that. My mom was diagnosed with uh, a really rare disease about 12 hours before she died. So we didn't get a lot of time to, to talk or to say goodbye, but she did get to say that she loved me, which were her last words. Uh, and I cherish that. Because it, I have, I've been able to hang on to it. I'm probably gonna say to my mom, you're a wonderful person. And I tie a invisible string to my heart and she ties the same one to her heart and it's always attached together. My mother, she struggled a lot with addiction. Sorry, I'm getting upset. <laughs> yeah, it was hard. You know, you have partners, you have friends, you have kids, um, but there is nobody else who, um, who will ever care about you as much. My son now always tells me, I love you, Mama. But for 48 years, you realize I didn't say I love you to my mom. I can think of three words. I forgive you. You were a good mom. You did really good. Thank you, Mom. I love you, Mom. Hey, Chelsea, if moms got paid, how much do you think they should get paid in a year for being a mom? Maybe a hundred dollars. Please pray with me. Dear Lord, thank you for bringing us together on this beautiful Mother's Day morning, surrounded by your holiness. We call upon you today to cleanse our hearts and minds and renew our faith in you. We praise you for your grace in our brokenness and sinful nature. Your unconditional love never fails, even in our worst moments. Lord, thank you for all the special women placed in our life that were made so perfectly in your image. Lift up all those yearning to be mothers and support them in their journeys. 
Comfort those who are mourning the loss of a mom, child, or friend, and give them peace in knowing your presence. Provide strength, peace, and clarity to all women throughout their lives. Bless this message today and everyone in this room, Lord, and continue to guide us throughout our walk with you. In your name we pray, amen. Well, good morning, La Jolla Community Church. How's everybody doing this morning? That was really quiet. How's everybody doing this morning? Thank you. Well, happy Mother's Day to all the wonderful moms that have joined us. Uh, thank you all so much for joining us. My name is Ryan Sylvia. I am the Director of Youth Ministries here at La Jolla Community Church. And I just want to thank you all for joining us here on this wonderful Sunday morning. On your way in, everybody should have received one of our fancy new bulletins. You may not even notice it. There's this magic little crease right in the middle. And if you notice, it'll tear right in half. Our hope and our prayers, you take this top half home. We've even got a little invite on one side of it this month. We're doing newborn baby baskets. Some of you may have noticed on your way in, there's some uh, newborn little stuff in a little basket on your way in. We're collecting that so we can give those to our local military families, uh, our local community and military personnel. So if you you've got some cash maybe laying around or maybe some leftover baby stuff that you would like to donate, please bring that. Through the end of this month, we're going to be accepting donations. But please take this top half home. Invite somebody to church. Let them know about some of the awesome ministries that we've, going, that we've got going on here at church. But I don't want to see any of these top halves left here in the sanctuary. If you do throw it away, push it to the bottom of the trash can so I don't see it, and then I won't get sad today. But please take this home. Invite somebody to church. Let them know some of the amazing things we've got going on here at LJCC. This bottom half is how we get you connected and plugged in here at church. This first side says get connected with us. This is how we get you plugged in and engaged in some of our awesome ministries going on here at La Jolla Community Church. So if you would like to be part of some of the wonderful things that we've got going on, please take a moment. I will not be upset if you're filling out while I do the announcements, but please take a moment, fill out this connect card, let us know how we can get you involved and engaged here at church. And on the other side, it says, let us pray for you. This is how we at La Jolla Community Church cover our congregation in love and prayer. We believe in the power of prayer. We believe in lifting up one another's needs to God. So if you've got something difficult going on in your life, you've got a challenge that you're not exactly sure how you're going to face, please take a moment to fill out this card. Or maybe you have something wonderful going on in your life. I know there's a lot of graduates, a lot of awesome things going on this time of year. So please take a moment. Let us know how we can love on you, how we can praise you or praise God and support you in this time. Thank you all so much for joining us. You can take this uh, uh, prayer and connect card along with the offering envelope, which is in the seat back directly in front of you. And you can drop those off in the boxes mounted here in the sanctuary as well as in the Welcome Center. Again, thank you so much for joining us. And at this time, I'm going to invite Drake up to uh, lead us in an interview. Yeah, good morning. I'm, uh, I'm Drake Oswald. And um, this morning, we're going to have a digital sermon as Steve is uh, on vacation visiting family. And um, his sermon today is about how the, Je the movement of Jesus is a movement of hospitality and generosity. So I want to invite Dave Mason forward, um, and I'm going to ask him a couple questions about uh, generosity. And then we were supposed to have another person here um, to talk to about hospitality, but he was so hospitable that he was uh, exposed to COVID and couldn't make it this morning. So, um, so Dave, tell us a little bit about yourself and, uh, and what you've learned about biblical generosity. Thanks, Drake. So... Do you mind if I hold it? Yeah, no, go Okay, on. cool. Hey, uh, so morning, everybody. And uh, I tell you, that, that Mother's Day thing was just, uh, it made me cry up a little bit. So if I start crying in the middle of this thing, you know it's wrong. Um, so I'm, I'm chair for, the, uh, for La Jolla Community Church and um, just been doing that for a couple years because they couldn't find anybody else to do it. So they said, you know, just, you know, find somebody to do it and here you got it. 
But uh, so I, I think you know it, it really is, and and just to I'm going to preface this. I I do not have it together as far as generosity in a lot of ways, and I'm still learning. So this is this is just you know this is a path, this is a journey. But I have learned three truths that have come out over the years. I, you know, so the first one is, and and you guys and everybody's heard this. And when I say guys, I mean everybody. That's I've been doing that when I used to be in the corporate world. I used to call everybody guys, and they'd look at and the women in the room would look at me like you know, what's wrong with you? Uh, anyway, so uh, first first thing that the first truth I really learned is you can't outgive God. There's no way you can outgive God. All the times I've ever been stretched where financially I've tried to give more than I thought I could afford, I've always been blessed. My family's been blessed. And it's happened over and over time, not just once or twice, over and over. So that's kind of the first truth. The second truth is it's not just about the money. It is never about the money. In fact, I love Steve's comments when he talks about giving of your time, talent, and treasures. The treasures is the last thing he's got on the list. Now, I don't know if that's by on, on purpose, but I just love the way that he, he says that. And so it's all about everything it, that you are, everything your skill set, your capabilities, your talents, everything that you are, you want to give back. And in fact, I love also what Steve talks about is, you know, the way you, it, the, you look at this and measure is you look at your calendar and look at your checkbook and kind of get an idea of where you're spending your time. And it's kind of a really kind of cool way to look at that, right, and kind of rebalance things. And so I think that's the second thing. The third thing, the final thing is... Be open to opportunities and challenges that God puts in your way. I tell you, you know, um, Drake knows this, and, and some of you guys know. Uh, about 12 years ago, I started going down to Mexico to build houses with a group called Project Mercy. And we go down, and we build a house in a day. And I tell you, every time I go down, I am blessed more than the, ha- than the people that get the house. It's an amazing experience. But I never thought I'd be working with power tools down in Mexico, right? And it's kind of crazy because I'm not... I'm, I'm a klutz. Around the house, I've hit stuff all the time. I, I fall off stuff. But it's just an amazing experience. And, and over this period of time, in fact, we'll probably do 80 houses this year, 80 houses for needy families that are the poorest of the poor in Mexico. And I never thought I'd be involved in that. And I can't even speak Spanish. So it's kind of cool. So that's kind of what I've learned over the years. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for coming and sharing your, uh, your thoughts on generosity with us. Thank you. Well, let's continue worshiping the Lord. All right, well, good morning. Great being uh, together in worship. Uh, We've heard some really inspiring interviews, uh, seen a really great video on Mother's Day, and here we are. Uh, We're talking about the Jesus movement, and today we're talking about hospitality and generosity, which is a great theme for Mother's Day. Uh, This happened to be the theme that we were in, and I'm glad it's on Mother's Day, because uh, hospitality and generosity are so core uh, to the heart of God and the heart of his people. In uh, Acts 2, 42 to 47, we see God's hospitality and generosity embodied in people. There's a lot going on in this passage theologically. I want to focus on uh, the way that people were expressing it. And so we see that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. We're going to come back to that word fellowship in a moment. To the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. 
God was drawing on every resource in this community to bring them together around himself. Uh, and through that relationship with him, that one through one relationship they were having with Christ, they're having a deep experience of community uh, multi-generationally with one another. Everyone was filled with awe at, at what the apostles were doing, but what everybody was doing. So that it was this movement of God's spirit. That's what the Jesus movement is. It's a movement of God's spirit through history. And every age and stage in history, every age and stage in, in life uh, it has full access uh, to this amazing and wonderful uh, God-inspired, a God-initiated movement of his spirit. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Now, this doesn't mean that they were living in some kind of a utopian uh, community. It wasn't uh, that they were all living together. By having everything in common, they were simply seeing themselves as simply part of a family of families, not just my family, but our family, the family of God. It was a whole new understanding of the depth of community. And so every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Uh, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. This is drawing the best out of everybody. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It was an attractive, attractional uh, community. Uh, people felt welcomed into that community. They felt cared for in that community. They felt empowered and equipped to participate in that community. It's a powerful model for us. So what do we see here? Hospitality is an oasis, and generosity is a river. Uh, when you're in a desert, there's nothing more wonderful than finding an oasis, a place where there's a spring, a place where there's verdant uh, shade and beauty, uh, relief, uh, respite from the sun, from the desert, from the harshness of that environment. And so hospitality is an oasis. You get there and you, you just let down. You go, oh, it's so good to be here. And then generosity is like a river. It's this flow that wherever it goes, it brings life. I love that phrase from the Mideast. Uh, you are a river to your friends. You are a river to your friends. Uh, wherever you go, you bring life with you. So the gospel brings life as it brings us to God's kingdom and God's kingdom to us. Uh, right now, we're surrounded by God's kingdom. We live in the present age. We anticipate the age to come. And yet the reality of the age to come, when all things will be fulfilled in Christ, is actually happening right now. It's, it's, so, it's, it's, it's why we can pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not two separate places, but the, but the authority and the presence of God bringing what, what the Bible refers to as heaven, the kingdom of God to us, that we get to experience it right now. Now, but not yet. Now in part, yet then in full. So it's, it makes the intangible tangible. Talking about love is one thing, but experiencing it is much better. Uh, talking about a great meal when you're hungry is fantastic. Uh, it certainly creates anticipation of what's your appetite, but the meal itself uh, is, is the thing that satisfies. So in Acts 2.42, this thing that they refer to as fellowship, that Luke refers to as fellowship, as he writes this letter to his friend Theophilus, is this word koinonia. Koinonia. It's the fellowship creating reality of the Holy Spirit, the community building, the community uh, gathering, uh, the community shaping and forming 
uh, of this deep relationship through the Spirit of God. So koinonia is intentional. It's functional community in Christ, and it's a sacred community. It's a holy community. Now, as soon as we use words like sacred and holy, we think, oh, you got to tiptoe around and make sure you're on your best behavior. No, holy and sacred is simply a way of saying we feel close to God, we feel connected to our own heart, we feel connected to other people. It's from God to us and then through us. So to be a holy person is not to be an otherworldly person who nobody can relate to, a holier-than-thou person. To live a sacred life is not to say, well, I shun anything that might be fun and pleasurable. I dare not laugh. I, I dare not goof off. No, sacred means I am so enthralled with this gift of life because I get to express every aspect of it fully. Humor is better when it's sacred. It's not, it doesn't have to be a religious joke. It has to be a joke though that captures something about the human condition that is healing and, and gives you catharsis. That's why a great comedian doesn't have to be profane. They don't have to be, you know, uh, uncouth. They don't have to, to go into the gutter for great humor. A great comedian simply helps us observe all those things that we already know, feel, and experience in life and see them from another perspective, and it makes us laugh. That's why it's healing, because it lets us see maybe this is so silly that I'm doing this, that there's a better solution. Or, yeah, in fact, that's what I'm doing. I need to confront that and confess that. Or, wow, that's what I'm doing, and here's why it makes sense and why it's so much fun to think about. Here's why that situation created laughter in the family, because it made us feel closer as a family. That's why you tell stories that um, the family remembers and, and laughs about. This is the powerful thing that Koinonia brings, the community creating power of the Holy Spirit released in relationships. Released in relationships. It's not a program you present. Tonight, we're presenting Koinonia. It's something you experience when people come together in the name of Christ. Let their guard down, open up their center to God and to one another, get real with each other, and simply enjoy being in the presence of one another in the presence of Christ. The theological word for this is covenant, a commitment to holy relationship. A covenant is our commitment to saying, I want to be in relationship with the holy God, the living God. And I want to experience all relationships through that relationship. And we, we become convinced that that is the most satisfying way to live. It's not an, oh, no, oh, gosh, don't, don't do that to me. It's a, oh, yeah, do I get to be a part of that? So where did this come from? Uh, well, it comes from God, through people, for people. Uh, the Hebrew culture is a culture of hospitality and generosity. The whole Mideast is like that. It's one of the things that's so in endearing and disarming when you're in the Middle East. You hear about how horrible it is in the Middle East. Constant conflict and turmoil. But when you're in the presence of a Palestinian family, you feel so loved and included as they share their food with you. If you are in the presence uh, of a Jewish family, you feel the same thing. This is the beauty of that culture. With all the other problems and conflicts and complexities, there's a deep, deep core of hospitality. And then the people that Luke was talking about had experienced this with Jesus in small dinners and large gatherings. Luke could interview all those people who had been at the Sermon on the Mount. Or not all of them, but many of them. Uh, there were so many people who had walked with Jesus and interacted with Jesus, close in as family members, disciples, 
a larger discipleship group, and then all those other people that he met along the way, that Luke had a lot of data to talk about. And that's why this passage in Acts 2.42 is so profound. All of this had been experienced in the culture and in relationship with Christ, and now they saw that this was the, the true identity of this new community, this new covenant uh, that comes together around the risen Lord and Savior, Jesus. And now the Passover meal itself, this breaking of bread, literally breaking of bread. Why is it breaking of bread? Usually you tear bread, right? But the Passover bread, the matzah, uh, is an unleavened bread. It's like a cracker. And when you, when you want to break a cracker, you don't bend it, you break it. A, a cracker breaks. So this is a breaking of bread. The Passover meal itself now is including Jews and Gentiles. Powerful, powerful imagery. Holy communion. Jew and Gentile come together to break bread in the name of Jesus. Well, so hospitality is about blessing people, not entertaining, not trying to impress people. This is a thing that can be so confounding uh, to, to anyone who says, oh, I'm just not a hospitable person because I wouldn't know what to do. I don't know how to cook dinner. I, I don't know how to create a party. Um, I live in a very humble abode, whatever it is. Uh, I don't have any aesthetic sensibilities. And that misses the point. It's not about entertaining people and impressing them with how clever you are, how creative you are. It's about welcoming people and bringing them together to bless them. And how do we bless them? By simply paying attention to people. When we are present to people, that is an inherently wonderful blessing. So hospitality isn't primarily about beautiful places and great food. It's about people. Now, if, if you bring people together and there is a lot of beauty in the place, and the food is great, and all that comes together. It's even better, right? It's fantastic. But think about this. If you've ever been to a wedding or reception or party where something went horribly wrong, it's outside, it started raining, or, or something else disrupted the perfect planning of that event, what it does is it lets everybody free from being uptight about the event, and, and now they just go, oh my gosh, let's just make the best of it. And then it becomes an epic, iconic event that you refer to forever. Remember the time we were at that... Yeah. Remember the time we were, mm-hmm. Remember the time we were backpacking, we were down to one Fig Newton, and we had to share it with eight people? Right. Who thought that would be fun? Remember that time we were, we were snowed in in that uh, tent, and all we had was a little candle for light, and it was magical? Right. Exactly. So it's focusing on people and responding to their needs with thoughtful kindness and consideration. It's that cup of cold water thing. What do you need? What can I provide? So our generosity should humbly emulate God's, drawing attention from us to others. Instead of our generosity, drawing attention from others to us. Look at me, I'm so generous. See, hospitality, the oasis, and generosity, that river, come together in a way that is complementary and transformational. It emulates God's heart in welcoming us in and providing what we need, right? And then we get to go and do likewise. We get to provide for other people in the same way that God provides for us. And so hospitality and generosity make joyful families. They make joyful friendships. They make joyful community. People want to be a part of it. They, it's not a have to. I got to go to be with my family. I got to go to church. It's I really get to go to be with my family. I get to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And if anything gets in the way of that, then we should stop and say, what is undermining our koinonia? What is undermining this experience of hospitality and generosity? Have we lost our way? Have we become distracted? Have we forgotten who we are? 
So when you don't experience hospitality and generosity and that joy goes away, it's time to stop and say, okay, not who do we blame, but how do we process and discuss why we are here? How did we get here? And what can we do to get back on track? Because God's gift to us and God's will for us is that we would experience hospitality and generosity as part of uh, membership in his community. Why? Because it's a gift of love and grace and truth. We know that people matter. When we honor it and value it and contribute to it, we are partnering with God. Think about that. You are partnering with God when you practice hospitality and generosity. Well, I don't know the Bible that well. I, I, I don't know all the words of the songs. I, you know, I, I, I'm not comfortable praying out loud. Okay. But the way you do hospitality and generosity says it all. Your heart belongs to God and you're giving your heart in his name to people. So it is an equal sense. Giving and receiving ennobles everyone involved in the experience. We're constructing this community together under the auspices and in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why it's part of this ongoing movement of God's people through time. Uh, here's an example. A, a boy shares his lunch with Jesus and Jesus feeds 5,000 people. Was that mutual? You know, uh, some loaves and some fish. The kid was sharing his lunch. Jesus, hey, would you share your lunch with me? The kid says, sure, here. And not knowing what Jesus will do with it. So the kid is sacrificing his lunch. And what does Jesus do? He multiplies that and feeds 5,000 men. And we don't know how many women and children that included. And when they were done, what happened? They had uh, abundance. It was, uh, they collected it in, bas in baskets. They had leftovers. This is the powerful nature of hospitality and generosity when it's unleashed and put in the hands of God. We bring our very best to say, Lord, multiply this to bless people. And so we honor God and we bless people through hospitality and generosity. And so this reflects our commitment to the kingdom of God. We're not doing it to gain favor, to get brownie points. Uh, we're doing it because we're saying, this is my new nature, my new identity. I'm part of a family that does this, the family of God. I'm part of his kingdom. This is how we express who we are. Not arrogantly, look who we are, look what we have, look what we do with it, but rather saying, isn't it great that we're in this kind of community and that we can share it with other people? And it's not a zero-sum game. It's not that, oh gosh, we have a little pie, we have to slice it ever thinner. No, the pie keeps getting bigger in the kingdom of God. So by opening our hearts and hands, we become miracles of God's gracious provision. That's what it means to be a partner with God. We become miracles of God's gracious provision. He provides, and then we are good stewards of what he provides. We're good managers of it. We're generous with hospitality and all the things that we have that could bless people and add value to life. And so fashions, styles, trends, tastes change. But hospitality and generosity are essential in every season, at all times, on every occasion, in every culture. This is one of those things that is wonderful to bump into wherever you travel. Hospitality and generosity are held in the highest regard. Hospitality and generosity are held in the highest regard in every human culture. Again, a cup of cold water in Jesus' name or a big celebration allows us to bless and be blessed by the gracious gift of hospitality and generosity. We don't judge hospitality or generosity. We simply enjoy it. And we make it possible for other people to enjoy it. 
Let me leave you with this word from Peter. He writes in 1 Peter 4, 8 to 9. He says this, above all, let's love each other deeply. Let's love each other deeply, not superficially. Let's not ghost each other, shine each other on. Let's love each other deeply. Really focus on each other. Be present to each other. We can't meet everybody's needs. We can't know everybody and be friends with everybody. But we can love each other deeply in the way that we hold each other in the highest regard and treat each other respectfully and attentively. The way we connect people to things that they, they need that we can't provide. The people we introduce them to, they can expand their possibilities of being part of a network of, of friendship and love and, and mission and ministry. So he says, above all, let's love each other deeply, offering hospitality and generosity to one another without grumbling. Each one of us should use whatever gift we have, whatever gift we've received, to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in every way. How's that going for you? Lord Jesus, I pray that that would go even more uh, uh, I guess, satisfying for us, better for us, that we would become ever more comfortable going out of our comfort zone with hospitality and generosity, that we would be open to opening our hands and our hearts and our minds, not only to you, but to one another in ways that extend hospitality and generosity in the way that we see in this church described by Luke in Acts 2, 42 to 47. We thank you for the, the, the teaching in your word that guides us, for the Holy Spirit that empowers us, for the people that are our role models in doing this. But Lord, each one of us has a part to play. And I pray that you would draw that out of us. You would encourage that in us. You'd confirm it in us. You'd, you'd call it out from us. You'd hold us accountable to it so that, Lord, we could be practitioners, each one of us, mutually in generosity and in hospitality, now and forever. We pray this in your high and holy name, in the name of Jesus. And so, Lord, we thank you for being part of this movement. Amen. Well, David was right. You can't outgive God. And we know from the Bible that God loves cheerful givers. And Moses gives us some insight into what that really means. If you look in Deuteronomy 14, uh, verse 22, it's a portion of scripture that speaks about tithing, but I've never heard a pastor speak on this. And I think you'll see why, because it's very unusual. You must set aside a tithe of your crops, one-tenth of all the crops your harvest, of your harvest each year. Bring this tithe to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored, and eat it there in his presence. So you're supposed to eat your tithe in the presence of God. This applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, and the firstborn males of your flocks and herds. Doing this will teach you always to fear the Lord your God. And what that means is, you, when you show a respect for God's generosity, he wants to share in that joy. He wants to rejoice with you with his community meal, you eating this meal of gratitude before God. And here's where it really gets good. Now when the Lord your God blesses you with a good harvest, the place of worship he chooses for his name to be honored might be too far for you to bring the tithe. If so, you may sell the tithe portion of your crops and herds, put the money in a pouch, and go to the place the Lord your God has chosen. When you arrive, you may use the money to buy any kind of food you want, cattle, sheep, goats, wine, or other alcoholic drink. Then feast there in the presence of the Lord your God and celebrate with your household. And do not neglect the Levites in your town, for they will receive no allotment of land among you. So God wants you to celebrate his generosity to you by being 
generous with your time back to him. At the end of every third year, bring the entire tithe of that year's harvest and store it in the nearest town. Give it to the Levites who will receive no allotment of land among you, as well as to the foreigners living among you, the orphans and the widows in your towns, so they can eat and be satisfied. Then the Lord your God will bless you in all your works. If you want to be blessed in all your work, you give it away. You celebrate with some of it, but you also, you're generous with the foreigners. We've got a lot of foreigners in this neighborhood, people from all over the world. We've got widows, there's widows here, and we've got fatherless, children growing up without dads. So that's the responsibility of the people of God, not just the church, but the whole country. Where do you think America would be if that was our policy, if we tithe this way? So at any rate, we have a way of doing that. You can leave your gifts, donations, uh, at a box uh, just to the right of the door. You can also give online, but also give of yourself, your time. So Lord, we thank you for being so generous with us, for blessing us, and we look at this as an opportunity to show respect and love for you and the people around us through our gifts. In Jesus' name, amen.
Well, one last thing before we uh, leave this morning. Uh, we do have a prayer garden just out this door and around the corner. If any of you uh, need prayer, uh, comfort, wisdom, love, you want to learn more about the Lord, we're there for you. There's a group of people that serve this church by praying for you face-to-face -face in the prayer garden. So feel free to go back there, and we'll, we'll be there with you. So, Father, as we prepare to leave this place, we ask that you bless and keep each one of us. And tomorrow isn't just Monday, the beginning of a long, tedious work week, but it's the beginning of a week that has been set aside for us by you. And, Father, we ask that you fill us with your spirit, that as we go out from this place and prepare for the week ahead of us, that we will be ready and willing and happy to bring the light of your Son uh, into the dark places that you will send us. Thank you, God, for your provision, for your love for us, and that you are with us always. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
with your heart. 